0: Welcome to this first in a short series of podcasts to mark World Menopause Day. My first guest is Professor Jane Falkingham, OBE, who is working at the cutting edge of menopause in the workplace research and whose work has been cited in the very recent House of Commons Women and Equalities Committee, Menopause and the Workplace Parliamentary Report. Please sit back and enjoy episode one of University of Southampton World Menopause Day podcasts. Jane, welcome. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for inviting me. We'll just kick off with some questions first, if that's okay with you. Can you tell me about your research relating to menopause and the workplace?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So there's a little bit of a story actually as to how um, this research got kicked off. As you know, I'm a member of the university executive team. And um, when I first joined the university executive, I think there was just me and one other woman on the executive. And then gradually over time, the number of women increased. And one summer's day, we were all standing by the windows together <laughs> with the windows open because we're, we're all <laughs> of a particular age. Mm-hmm. And I I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was Anne-Marie who asked me a question about what what did we know about the menopause and work. And I thought, gosh, that's really interesting. I'm a social scientist, and in my other life, when I'm not being a member of the university executive, I'm a a researcher, Mm So I went away and and started digging around and having a look in in the literature and and actually found there was very little research. And how far back was this? So this was about 2018, 2019. That recent? Yeah, that recent. So there was really not a lot of research. And and the research that had been conducted was on small groups of women. So it was mainly qualitative research uh, and actually carrying out Interviews with women who are suffering from the menopause mm-hmm. and suffering from symptoms. So, I was interested in seeing if we could get the big picture. Mm-hmm. And at, at the time, I was doing some really interesting work on midlife and looking at, at women in midlife who are juggling work and, and other things like childcare or elder care. And so, we were using this uh, amazing data set. The UK is fantastic, we have really fantastic data sets. And this data set was following a group of people who were born in 1958 and was following them all the way through their life courses. And so we could actually look at them at one point in time and then see what happens to them. Mm-hmm. And we were using this data to look at women in their 40s and 50s and what happened as you took on juggling more and more, sure. more roles. I noticed that they had actually, when they were age 50... These women have been asked questions being asked around, were you suffering from any of these following symptoms? And then they listed 20 symptoms, all associated with the menopause. So we were able to look at that data, establish whether women were suffering severe symptoms from the menopause, and then we were able to look at what happened to them over the following five years. And so we did this research to see what was the impact of going through the, the menopause on work, and we were just amazed when we when we got the results. So we we took only women who were in work, followed them across time, and we found that those women who were who reported suffering from a severe symptom at age 50 had a 43% higher chance of leaving work over the following 5 years than women who didn't. This just really surprised us and it was Hugely su- statistically significant. I'm a social statistician. Mm-hmm. So we put in lots of other control variables to take other things into account. And it was still significant. So you were 43% more likely to leave work. And also we then looked at if you didn't leave work, were you likely to change your hours? And you were 23% more likely to have changed your hours of work.
0: Does that mean reduce? Reduce. Wow.
1: Yeah. And in fact, this research has now been reported uh, in all sorts of places, including actually in the in the new um, House of Commons Women's Inequalities Committee. They've just brought out a, a report on uh, on menopause and the workplace, and our research is cited in that.
0: That's great that our research conducted in our institution is being fed directly into government policy. However, the reality is terrifying. I'm, I'm 50 in March. yeah, And so you're talking to someone who is one of those people who is 43% more likely to not work over the next few years and 23% more likely to be working less and earning less. Yes. Yeah, so that
1: then is really a wake-up call. Yeah. It's a
0: wake-up call for employers
1: because uh, women in their 50s make a huge contribution to the workforce. And, and over the last 20 or 30 years, we've seen more women working in their 40s and 50s uh, than we have done historically. So over two-thirds of women in over 45 are now still in the workforce. So employers need to wake up to this issue because at the costs of... If, if these women leave the workforce, actually the costs of recruiting in... People to replace them can sometimes exceed the wage bill of, of the women that have left.
0: Really, and and the expertise that's been uh, built ex- up, absolutely. Yeah, over the over all of those years. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of trying to absorb that and 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 thinking about the reasons why that might be. So, um, being menopausal and symptomatic, yeah. I'm thinking of the things other than stood by the window that I've experienced have been quite extreme. You know, sometimes in the workplace, and um, and and what those symptoms might be. You know, the more extreme ones that caused the higher chance.
1: Yeah, so I mean, there are a whole variety of uh, of, of symptoms. So the the common ones, of course, are hot flushes. And in fact, I'm going to take my and jacket
0: off right now. I'm going to because I didn't want to in case it might be seen as contrived. But I no, really no, need me, to. Me
1: too. And um And also, so I mean, uh, obviously. Uh, having enough ventilation, but also having access to water, having breaks. I mean, for some women, it can affect their mental processes, particularly actually when you're having the hot flush, you can lose your train of thought. And so uh, being allowed to take that pause to get your thoughts back in order to come back to what you were thinking about, I think is really important. Mm-hmm. But for for some women, it can also lead to anxiety, it can lead to depression, it can lead to people's loss of confidence I mean, there are stories of women who just feel that they're not able to go out. Mm-hmm. For those women, I would really encourage them to then seek advice from their GPs. Mm-hmm. So HRT, you know, it's not for everybody, no. but for for some women who have really severe symptoms, it can make a really big difference. Mm-hmm. But again, in our study, we could actually look at those women who are taking HRT and not. And one of the things that was actually picked up in this House of Commons report is amongst women who were taking HRT and whose partners were out of work. So those women who are the sole breadwinner in their relationship, actually, they were less likely to, to leave work because they had no option but to carry on working. Just to
0: stick it out, which and is stick it out. Yeah, yeah. As I say, I, I totally feel that anxiety that can happen in the workplace, and I don't, it doesn't surprise me that some women feel they can't can't leave yeah, that. And, and we're
1: not saying that you know for some women maybe that's the right decision yeah. but um and yeah. and in our other work we've been looking at the complex relationship between work and care so again it happens you know the 50s is a really kind of rush hour of life almost because you know you, you start to have older parents then and taking on caring responsibilities for older parents you may have dependent children at home or you may start to have grandchildren and so it's it, Leaving work in your 50s is, is complicated to disentangle. Is it the, the role of the menopause, or is it? I mean, caring, going going responsibility?: yeah. yeah there's a lot going yeah. on, which, which our research is kind of trying to unpack a little bit. But if the employers can do things to make um, work places more inclusive and more menopause-friendly? if that's a phrase I'm not quite sure it is a phrase but I think, but I I think, think it's it just recognizing
0: yeah. that the menopause is happening I think it's just been able to say the word as well which yeah. leads on to my next question we can go into kind of the practical things that can happen to support women hopefully but how do you think how society views menopause and talking about that very recent study mm. that's had some really alarming statistics has it moved on since the word menopause itself was taboo
1: You know, I'm not 100% sure that the word isn't taboo still, actually. I mean, yes, because we're having this conversation right now. And I think it helps that actually we're starting to see a group of women in their 50s who are in work, who are in positions of seniority and who are saying, hang on a minute, we need to talk about this. But certainly when I um, first started having my hot flushes, which is about four or five years ago, I didn't know what's going on. I didn't know who to talk to. And then I had a colleague that I was able to talk to about. I thought, why why don't we talk about that? You know, we get taught about having periods in school. Yeah. There's no information on the menopause unless you actively go out and seek it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think even when we started the menopause network here in our institution, which is you know pretty recent within the past 12 months, there has been, a now and again, a comedic response to it. And I think sometimes I'm guilty of that also, you know, because just to get me through the conversation, yeah. You know. And I
1: think Davina McCall, actually, her programmes have made a big difference as well of people being... Um prepared to talk about it. So it's starting to, you know, because you are starting to get these discussions, but I think we've got a long, long, long way to go.
0: And we have that backup, don't we, of things like World Menopause Day, Davina McCall, Mm. and who would have thought it? Rod Stewart is talking about his wife, Penny Lancaster, and her patches and her hot flushes. So I never thought, thank God for Rod Stewart. Okay, so how can menopause symptoms affect staff in the workplace? We've covered that a little bit, but in terms of the effects, I know we talked about leaving or reducing hours, but on a day-to-day level, how can it affect your work?
1: Yeah, no, so on a day-to-day level, I mean, it does affect your work if you have a hot flush or if you just have a brain fog moment. And I think it's accepting that that there's those peaks and troughs that are through the course of the day, and that's really quite difficult to do and start to manage your way through it. I think we're quite lucky at, at the University of Southampton that we've got, you know, relatively flexible working patterns. We can probably, most of us can interrupt our work for a, a few minutes and then come back. So we're not on a production line where if we take our hands off it, the frozen peas something are like going to <laughs> um, go wild or but something like that. I, but nevertheless, I, I think we still need to recognise that it will impact and it impacts the See, I'm losing my concentration even speaking to you yeah, no, I get in, it. in, in yeah. that way. Yeah. I think that certainly in, in other professions where, where you have to be fully engaged, I think it, it's harder. I know we don't wear uniforms that are made out of hot fabrics and, yeah. Yeah, and things to, like that, yeah. so we get to choose what we want to wear to work. Most of us get to choose whether we open or close the window, although that can be a bit of a tussle if you're in a shared space.
0: I've seen it. <laughs> it's difficult yeah. to navigate yeah. and witness. But, I, I mean, it. we don't work in a production line, but I have been delivering a lecture and had to just confess. And you know what? The students, you know, have been so understanding. Mm. And I said, can you just give me a minute? i have just... I've gone a bit hot, and they all know exactly what I mean. Yeah. And I'll just take some water, drink it really slowly, and, and gather myself because I can't carry on when that's happening. And it happens less now because I'm on HRT. Yeah, but I was diagnosed at 41, and mm-hmm. you know, so th- this the situation happened for quite a long time. If it happened in front of people, which it often does, because you're a bit anxious anyway. Yes, I think it's just better to confess and now I don't I think it's less stressful to confess because of like you know this increased awareness yes.
1: yeah, yeah. yeah but I have been in situations I mean I um as you, you probably know I, I before becoming vice president I was dean of a faculty I had one woman uh, come to see me in confidence so I won't name what part of the faculty it was from but she came really really distressed because she had been a, in a shortlisting meeting and colleagues were shortlisting for a job and then they said Oh, no, well, we don't want another menopausal woman with her hysteria coming along. Now, I took action, and I went and saw those people immediately and called it out. But, you know, so when you talk about changes in culture, this was about four or five years ago. You know, I, I hope that that would never, never happen now. But I was outraged at the time. I was outraged that a, a, a colleague had had to sit in a room where those comments were being made, but B, the comments would be made in the first place. It's just unacceptable.
0: Let, let's hope that, you know, with this in, increased awareness that it's clear that those kind of comments are not just unhelpful, but discriminatory. They are, they mm-hmm. absolutely, and and people were making it in a jokey fashion. There is a bit of jokiness, and I, I think with this working group and with this podcast yeah you know I, I think I did make a joke about myself mm. because I do the other podcast the class ceiling and I said something like oh I'm the university poster to go for being really common and middle-aged and I thought why have I said that you know being middle-aged is to be celebrated well as it's common by the way <laughs> uh, yeah uh, but that
1: you know we're all going to be middle-aged hopefully so, so even if you're 20 today, you're going to be 30 in 10 years' time, and then 40, and then 50,
0: and then 60. So, um, if you're lucky, if you're lucky, yeah, yeah, that's such an excellent way to view it. So, what advice do you have for University of Southampton staff currently experiencing the menopause?
1: Yeah, I've, been, I've You know, you gave me these questions to think about, and I was thinking about them. And and my first advice would, of course, be to go and talk to your line manager about it. But some people may not feel able to do that. So if they don't feel able to talk to their line manager, talk to somebody else. I th- and I think the, the Menopause Working Group is a great initiative and the safe listening space. They
0: have some listening spaces yeah. next week that you can sign up for.
1: So my first advice would be to talk to your line manager and talk to your colleagues And if you're in a shared office space, talk to your your colleagues that you're sharing the office space with so they know what you're going through. So if you are going to open the window, they know why you're doing it. But if you can't do that, go and talk to somebody else.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. On that theme, what advice do you have for line managers who are very often male or young and with no health issues Mm. and colleagues working alongside... Well, you, you've already mentioned colleagues working alongside, but in particular line managers um, supporting those experiencing menopausal symptoms in the workplace.
1: Absolutely. So for them, I think that they actually need to, first of all, educate themselves uh, about what the menopause is. And there's some great resources. I was really delighted that the university signed up to the, the BITES. There's these training courses but now. that packed. Yeah. So HR have got a whole set of training courses.
0: They have, yeah, and yeah. they're very
1: good, actually. And there's um, some really yeah. good information sheets on the menopause. Just, just educate yourself about it. Yeah. Do a bit of reading. Do a bit of thinking about uh, what it means. And then maybe even try to put yourself in that. Try and stand in other people's shoes.
0: Yeah, that, that would be helpful, I think, for all of us experiencing those kind of symptoms mm-hmm. when we forget things in a meeting or, you know, it's completely gone. Mm-hmm. You know, I forgot my best friend's name the other day. Yeah. You know, it's very, very strange experience, and I think it was on the news recently of one of the Davina interviews that that a lot of menopausal women, when they're diagnosed young, as I did, think they got dementia.
1: Got dementia, absolutely. And I mean, this forgetting things and then it comes back to you is is a really frequent symptom.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a bizarre experience. Yeah. That empathy is a good, a good message, yeah. I think. And going back to your own research and those shocking statistics, how do you think employers can reduce the number of women exiting or indeed reducing their hours uh, due to these menopausal Mm. symptoms?
1: Well, there are these pledges that employers can sign up to, and I think that's what the the university is doing. And then they can put in place, I hope, that the university is going to adopt the menopause policy. And then it's thinking about putting the measures in place that then support women.
0: That's fantastic that that's happening. We're really pleased about it on the working group. It's brilliant news. There is a limited awareness of how trans and non-binary people experience menopause in the workplace, unless there has been some research that we couldn't find. No. um, So there isn't any... um, um, That was my next question. Are there any research? Is there? Yeah.
1: Not not really. I I mean, and I think it's really important to recognise that trans and and non-binary Individuals do go through the menopause, either because they go through it because of surgery or they go through it because of hormones or they go through it naturally. I mean, there's a variety of triggers for the menopause. And actually, um, trans individuals, be they men or women, mm-hmm. may be going through the menopause.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you would hope that it's only a matter of time, given the amount of other challenges mm. those groups face, particularly at the moment. It's a very stormy yeah. climate. You would hope that there's some kind of research into how they can be supported. I'll keep my well. Yes, and I'll keep my eye, eye yeah. open too. So, what role do men play in relation to the menopause and women's health? For example, the recent news story—I don't know if you saw this—about the male being appointed to period dignity officer in Tayside, mm. and indeed, um, our own University of Southampton Menopause Working Group is co-chaired by a man uh, who is fantastic, uh, Richard. Uh, what are the pros and the cons? Yeah, well, well, men are part of the problem. And so they have to be also be part of the
1: solution. You know, if we're going to counter some of those comments that I reported earlier about pe- just people even making jokes about it or not understanding it.
0: But they could have been made by younger women as well. They I'm sure they have, have
1: been. Yeah, yeah. yeah, potentially. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think it's everybody's issue, really. I mean, women are 51% of the population. The other 49 need to to support and, and get on board and educate themselves about yeah. what it is. And and most men are either somebody's partner, somebody's father, somebody's son, somebody's line manager, somebody's work colleague. Everybody's involved.
0: And, and, and in a way, it's their problem because it affects their lives ne- negatively as mm. well. You know, not that we're a burden as women, mm. but... You know, my husband wondered what was going on because I was so young, we didn't know what was happening. And if we would have known, if Davina McCall would have been on the telly and Rod Stewart telling us, we would have known much sooner. Yeah. Uh, and lastly, Jane, what are we working towards that would better support menopause in the workplace? What would the ideal scenario, the solution be? That it becomes a non-issue.
1: Like it's recognised as a, as a, in the same way as as other conditions are recognized and so it's 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 not an issue in a way that if we want a truly inclusive workplace then we have to change the workplace and so to de-stigmatize and de problematise it
0: and, and 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 do we celebrate it
1: good question i don't think we do should we celebrate should we, it so?
0: um I'm, i don't know if we should celebrate
1: it but we should certainly be aware of it so uh, I think it's in the World Menopause Awareness Day. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess it's
0: kind of celebrating a rite of passage. Yeah, I think that's where I'm coming from. We had this mm. um, discussion in our working group, and you know, we were kind of doing that jokey thing that we shouldn't do. I've said, oh, we've been counting the days to World Menopause Day, but maybe we should be counting the days mm. because some really positive things are happening, including this interview, Jane. You've been a brilliant guest, and thank you for being so open and and being inspiring in your responses i've really enjoyed our conversation
1: well thank you for inviting me